Hey everyone, Elisa Keaton, and welcome to another episode of the Revelation Wellness Podcast. If you've been doing this podcast for a while, you know that some days we invite you to put on a pair of shoes and go for a walk, a run, or the gym, move your body and hear truth and embody, get the the spirit of God inside of you, turning up and moving out of you. And that's what our revving the words do. But if we're not doing that, we're coming and talking and stirring up our hope, our faith, and our love. And I do that either through a teaching, but sometimes one of my favorite things to do is to meet new people, meet people, and then introduce you to these people because it's testimony, what God is doing in other people that really does bring something alive in us more than, you know, some concepts and teaching. They're all good, but more than anything, testimony speaks and calls us out. It's the prophecy of Jesus. And I'm excited to share with you the testimony of Paula Ferris. You may or may not have heard of her before. She is the former co-host of The View, as well as the weekend edition of Good Morning America. You guys, she was basically like living that life, living the dream, living the thing that so many young journalists or broadcasters today are trying to get to, to work for big network get your name on a major network, be behind that co-host desk. And she was doing it, but then she started to feel like God was calling her to something else. And could you imagine letting go of what seems like the dream job? She's gonna take us on that journey with her today. And I love, she. Um, there's a point in the teaching where we talk about how do you know what your calling is? How do you know? right? And I've never heard this before. She shares a teaching uh, from a gentleman who shared it with her, but three things. You got to look at what you're good at, the things that you're curious about. Are you curious? What makes you curious? And then listen to the encouragement of other people. When you mix those three things together, you'll find a calling. And a calling doesn't always look the same for the rest of your life. A faith calling is consistent. Vocational callings can change. And Paula is going to talk all about that. She taught us, she taught me well, and I can't wait to share it with you. Okay, but before we go, don't forget Rev Wild instructor training less than a month from today. If you feel the call to take people outdoors or just learn what it means to go outdoors and seek the presence of God to be intentional, to reset, there's so much mind-body science behind the outdoors. I feel like for such a time as this, we need some leaders who are willing to lead. So allow us to train you. Swipe up on the show notes and find out more about Rev Wild Outdoor Leadership Training. All right. Thanks to all our donors, our partners. You make this podcast possible and we get to spread good, good news. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Peace. Paula Ferris, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. I just absolutely know our listeners are going to resonate with you. So welcome. Thank you. It is my honor and it's great to be speaking with you. And all I can say is that you are extremely buff and fit. (laughs) You really are. I should have you worn are. a t-shirt. It's hot though. It's hot in Arizona. I'm like, I you're, can't do it. Yeah, you're in Phoenix for God's sake. Come yes, on, exactly. So. I know. Well, I will say it's definitely that speaking of calling, the Lord gave me this body for the calling that I have for sure. So Amen. I, didn't, I didn't do, I mean, you know, I take care of it, but I often tell people, I was teased when I was younger for having little boy arms or calves or, yeah. So, you know, every, everything has its, 
It's and sad. look at you now, Lisa. Look at me now. now. That's right. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, Paula, you were telling me your book called out. It came out last Tuesday. Yes. Well, from you the came time out, recorded it. Yeah, it came out April twenty first. It's my first book. It's a little and, nerve wracking, but I really feel like God gave me this message to share with people to really mm. encourage them and equip them to to not only find their vocational calling, but really to root into what true purpose and true calling are mm. that don't shift and shake when you experience a crisis or a pandemic like the one we're going through. Totally, hundred percent. And so, how's your first time authoring been? It's, you know, I, the only way that I can describe it, and I have a lot of author friends who've done this multiple times, and I'm like, what are you thinking? It's equivalent to carrying a baby, delivering a baby, and then handing that baby over to people oh. that may or may not take care of your baby. It's, it's, it is so, it, it's unlike any other experience, but I will say, just hearing some of the feedback um, the people that have found themselves in the pages and found themselves, their story and my story and who are encouraged by it and really, you know, feel empowered by it. Um, that is unlike anything I've ever, ever experienced as well. So, so it's been, it's, it, it, it. yeah, it's, it, yeah, completely worth it. Would I do it again? <laughs> yeah, let me ask you that because I want to know, because I'm, I'm working on my third book right now. And every time I do one, I'm like, why am I what, doing, doing this, this so again? hard? Like it's this long, arduous process. It doesn't it's happen the long, overnight. I know it's like the longest gestational period on the planet. <laughs> uh, it's, it, I mean, from, from conception to actual publication, it's two plus years at least. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So and that's why I think that's where like the emotional um, journey uh, really stems from is just this long drawn out process that's just tugging at you for for an Always. extended period of time. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and then you release it. But you really like we have a saying in Revelation Wellness. We're like audience of one, audience of one. Amen. I wrote the Amen. book. It goes what it does. I'm not responsible for it anymore. <laughs> the message yeah. is out there. So exactly. Okay. And, yep. Yep. It is. I said I'm the I'm the messenger. God's the carrier, and He can place the message where He where He wants it to be. Amen. Where He wants it. Amen. So. So tell people why you write this, wrote this book. Well, I, I never wanted to write a book. I, I, I didn't have anything to say, okay? Oh, wow. But I really felt, I, honestly, I had been approached for years to write a book. I think probably just because I worked at, you know, Good Morning America and The View. And then it's like, well, I don't know what I would write. I don't have anything to say. And then two years ago, God's like, I'm giving you something to say. Mm. And um, so I wrote the book because I really felt God called me out of a dangerous space where I became addicted to my job. Mm. and addicted to work where career defined me and defined my purpose and my identity. And I didn't realize it until I walked away. I got, I, I mm. had, you know, I was at the height of my career anchoring Good Morning America weekends and co-hosting The View. And God just said, look around you. This is not what I called you to do. Even, you know, so somewhere along the way, I got I confused calling with career and I leaned in to what society told me to and um, at the expense of my relationships at the expense with my husband and kids and with my you know my extended family my church family and my health started suffering and then mm. I went through a season where I knew unequivocally God was like he, he was trying to get my attention he said if you don't slow down I'm going to slow you down and mm. I went through which I write about in the book um, Elisa I went through this 
season of hell uh, with five you know major events in seven months, a miscarriage, a concussion, um, a head-on car crash, influenza, and pneumonia. And so after that, I said, all right, God, I'll step away. I will, I will honor you because I know that my values are clashing with the choices that I'm making. And you didn't call me to this place to see my, you know, everything that I had professed to be true and of value to me to, to watch that deteriorate, like my relationships. And um, I decided to step away. And then when I did, I was like, I don't know who I am outside of this. And that's where I write a lot of the book. That's where I write a lot of the book. So there was just a process of getting untangled, right? Like the, the identity and purpose, but a vocation and a passion or calling, especially in a world that tells us, pre- presents to us what success looks like or. Oh, 100%. We're taught to lean in. How many books are written about leaning in? And it's always career related. Yeah. And we're taught that, yeah, what's your name? What do you do for a living? We ask yeah. our kids, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to yeah. be when you grow up? So there's this there's this um, systemic flaw in our society that says our only worth is in what we do. And when there's yeah. a shift in that, guess what? There's a shift in our identity and our purpose because we have entangled our purpose and identity in doing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was really angry at first. I was angry with God that he would yes. bring me to the height of my career only to ask me to take a step back. And mm. I said, you called me to this, right? And then God said, no, I didn't call you to this. Um, Paul, you need to learn something about calling. And that's what he taught me that we have these two callings on our life. And, you know, in church, we hear we have to find our calling and it's always career related. So it's it's even like we're getting these mixed messages, even from the faith circles. Mm-hmm. Um, so what God showed me is we have these two callings. We have a faith calling, which yes. is our purpose. And that's who we are. It never, ever, ever changes. And it's to love God and love people. It's not to be the best broadcaster that I can be. Mm. It's not to be the best, you know, wellness instructor that I can be. It's to love God and love people. Mm. That's your faith calling and your purpose. Never going to change. Your vocational calling will change throughout your life. Okay. It can, and it will change. And the vocation is just the vehicle by which you're going to love God and love people. Mm. It will change. You can branch out. God can use it in a myriad of different capacities. It's just the conduit by which you're going to fulfill that purpose of loving God and loving people. So it's, you know, we say, oh, you know, it's not about, you know, what I'm doing, it's who I'm doing, doing it for. But really at the end of the day, we have become so attached to doing that when there's a shift, we have, we feel, we feel a massive shift in our identity. So I, I, whereas once I would say I am Paula Ferris and I, you know, anchor at Good Morning America weekends and and co-host of The View, that's how I would introduce myself. I no longer do that. I say my, I know my purpose and my faith calling. Mm. And I say, my name's Paula Ferris. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I love Jesus. I am curious. I uh, ask questions and Mm. I champion the underdog. And mm-hmm. so like, that's more who I am and including the, the gifts and talents that I've been given, which aren't going to change. And God's going to use that however he wants. So I don't get that's too right. attached to this, to this doing, to this one thing. Um, I, I know like who I am and, and that's not going to change in any sort of crisis. In their book, he talked about David Shedd, who was a uh-huh. former CIA agent, right? And I, I yes. love how you talked about how also you've gone to all these Christian conferences and where you have we people mm-hmm. rah rah and talking about you know the calling and the go and you're waiting to figure out we'll explain that more and the CIA agent was he someone that you interviewed or somebody yes. told you 
No, I, I was recommended to interview him. Um, his name was David Shedd, and you probably never heard of him. I'd never heard of him before. He was a high-level government guy, um, was the former director of the intelligence agencies post 9-11, so overseeing the CIA and the FBI. And my friend had recommended that I interview him, and I had read in his bio that he felt called to go into government. And I, yeah. I, I mean, how many times do you hear the word calling? You don't. And like, honestly. You don't, right. And, you knew. That's, and, that's code. That's code I know, for code, a god lover. I, like, yeah. I know, but, but also, like, who can articulate what it is? I feel like mm. even pastors throw it around, but mm. what does it look like? What does it yeah. sound like? What, is it, what does it even called. mean? And what does it mean outside of career? So that's where I was like, okay, faith calling and then vocational calling. So now that I know what vocational calling is, I do this interview with David Shedd and I said, okay, please tell me. I need somebody to explain to me what it means to be called. I have felt like God vocationally called me to certain areas, but I don't know how to explain it. And this was a, a bit of an Oprah aha moment. He said, when he counsels young students, in terms of vocational call, calling. He says, you know you're being vocationally called when three things happen and all three of these things have to happen, all right, Elisa? Mm-hmm. You have to mm-hmm. be good at it. Mm-hmm. You have to love it. And mm-hmm. other people that you do life with, that you really trust, have to notice that you're good at it and that you love it. It's not enough just to love it. It's not enough just to be good at it. Mm-hmm. It's not enough for others to notice that you're good at it mm-hmm. and for you to be good at it because you don't love it. Mm-hmm. It has to be all three of those things. And it's an opportunity to kind of peel back those layers. Like what makes you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, effective in your world of fitness and mm-hmm. revelation and what makes me good in my world of broadcasting. It's mm-hmm. not like people said, Oh, you're a great broadcaster. People said, Paula, you're really curious and you're good at asking questions. My nickname growing up, Elisa was Paula 20 questions, I'm not joking. <laughs> and then and then I had people speaking life into that. Uh, yeah. My high school drama teacher and my college professors, they were like, you know, you're really good at this. And guess what? It might be, it might make sense for you to go into broadcasting. So it's it's also an opportunity to not see yourself so one dimensionally. And I don't know if you can hear my dog barking in the background. It's okay. But, um, but to not see yourself so one dimensionally as like, oh, I can only be a, a broadcaster the rest of my life. It's I'm curious. I like to ask questions. I champion people. I get to the bottom of the story. I'm dogged in my pursuit. And guess what? That's not just going to make me a good broadcaster. God can use that in so many different capacities on so many different vocational branches. I just have to, I have to accept that. And I, I have, I have to accept the permission that God is giving me. Yeah to not see myself so one dimensionally and to, to see vocation and a, it's not my work or it's not my worth where so often we hear, you know, you're only, you're only as good as your work and your value is your vocation and calling is career. I now have the permission to see myself multidimensionally. I can see vocation as seasonal. Uh, maybe God wants me to walk into a season, uh, a staying home with my children So maybe, and then maybe God wants me to get back into the workforce, you know, um, you know, it's allowing yourself to see yourself on different branches. If, Mm. if the vine is your, your faith calling and your purpose, the branches are vocation and a healthy vine produces a lot of different branches. God's going to, God wants to use you in so many different ways. So, so for those of you that, that might feel trapped, I just say like, 
God can use your gifts and talents in a myriad of different ways. A, you have to accept that your worth isn't in doing those. Your worth Come isn't on. in work. God's going to use you how he wants to, but you have to accept worth isn't work and then give him the permission to, to do what he wants with those gifts and talents because he's going to use it. Amen. So in you said about what David Shedd talked about and it really resonated with you is three things. You have to be good at it. Um, well, you summed it up with your good at curiosities and encouragement. Mm-hmm. Like other people have encouraged you. You're curious about it, but you're good at it. But in your book, you talked about at the beginning, you did not think you were good at, yes. at like your, your teachers were calling up because you wanted to be behind the camera. Oh, you said mm-hmm. something and I wish I'd, I'd, I had it right before me, but I'm thinking I have a 16 year old daughter right now. Yeah. And she struggles a lot with that. If I don't do it perfectly, I don't do it. Yes. At all. It's the fear so, of failure. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's completely. And that's where fear comes into it. Like fear paralyzed me from going into broadcasting. Um, that's what I'm saying. And then, yes. And then fear paralyzed me from, from kind of taking a step outside of it. Um, and that's the thing. Like you can have a piece about about where you're supposed to be or where you're not supposed to be. And fear can still be present. Fear isn't something that you conquer. Mm. Fear is mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, I felt like for a long time, I didn't, I, I, I was paralyzed by my fear of failure, what people would think of me that I couldn't hack it or, you know, that I wouldn't have the right words to say. And, you know, I felt like those trusted people for a while had to have the dream for me before I had it for myself. And once mm-hmm. I accepted that, that particular vocational call in my life, I really felt God saying, if I call you to do something, I'll equip you in the same way I was with Moses, I'll be with you. And that's what he's telling us. But he's also telling us that we have to push past our fears. Mm-hmm. Have I not commanded you? In Joshua 1, it says to be strong and be courageous. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid for the Lord your God's with you everywhere you go. You can you can have a peace that, that God wants to move you in this direction and still be scared as heck. Mm-hmm. You can. Those two That's things right. can coexist. They're not mutually right. exclusive. And then it's up to you to push past that fear. God has commanded us. Have I not commanded you to be strong and be courageous? And guess what? You take that first step. God meets you right there. He's in it. He's through it. He's past it. He's with you in the same way he's with Moses. He's going to be with you, but you got to take that first step. You can't allow your fear to paralyze you. Okay. It's so fascinating to think here you are, you are good, right? Well, God calls us good. He creates us. Everyone, you're, you're good. And you have a gift. You have a, something in you that is good that the world needs. But because of the fear that you had, mm-hmm. it was masked, right? It was, it, you couldn't see it, but then other people saw it. Your, mm-hmm. your teachers, high school, they were encouraging you, calling you out, kind of like, yeah, like God comes to Gideon, calls him out of the cave, calls yeah, yeah. him mighty man of valor, calls him out. But then you kind of stayed behind it, but it wasn't until one of the most fearful things that happened in the United States uh, yeah. territory is 9-11 that really, yep. it, at that point, it's like something inside of you rose up. Can you explain yes. that? Because that's when you went from, I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm going out. Yes. Well, I had, like, I had sensed this for a while that, that I kind of wanted to do it. I knew, actually knew I wanted to do it, but I didn't really tell a lot of people because I was so scared so that I afraid. would fail. Even though I was good at it, even though I, you know, I loved it and people were speaking life into me, I had to get past my own fears and I had to push past those fears. And, you know, I had been out of college a couple of years when 9-11 happened. And I still remember in that moment watching the the television coverage and watching the um, anchors and reporters and the correspondents in the field just navigate this 
this tragedy mm. with with such calm and such grace. Mm. I felt in that moment that I I finally accepted this vocational call on my life. I mm. felt I had been running from God for a long time, mm-hmm. and I finally said, "All right, God, I'm going to do it." Mm. And I and that verse in the same way as with Moses, I'll be with you. And I was like, God, this is on you. Okay, That's I'm going right. to do it. I'm going I'm going to take the step of faith. And at the time I was making excellent money in radio sales and I quit my job. I was 25 years old and I was making about $50,000 a year. Okay. I mean, I was making excellent money. I quit my job. I substitute taught until I found a job in TV. And then when I finally got that job in TV, a couple, like not long, uh, long thereafter, I was hired to be a production assistant to just do grunt work for seven bucks an hour. So it's not like it was a, cushy landing on the other side, but I had to press into that fear and there were sacrifices involved. Um, but I had a piece that that's exactly where God wanted me. And then where was the break that happened where then you went from behind the camera running, go for it was in, trips? To- it, it was in that same market in Dayton, Ohio, because I knew how to shoot, edit and produce because that was mm-hmm. the emphasis in college. I produced a a resume reel, so to speak, you know, in most industries, you'd say, here's a paper resume. This is, this is what I've done over my career in TV. Your resume, at least on camera is on a tape. And it was a VHS tape back in the day. So girl, I got you beat. I've had like back eight tracks. I'm, I'm go all the way back. I got eight tracks, but eight tracks are audio. So we need to, we need a okay. visual format so, here. So you're right. Beta tapes. Wasn't, wasn't yes. it V8 beta before VHS? Okay. Yes. Yes. So I, anyway, I produced this tape all by myself. I like shooting everything, editing everything. Um, and I handed it to my news director and I just said, just take a look at it. I had no intention. I didn't think he would put me on the air at all. So I just wanted you give to get his feedback. Because I wanted to, okay. I wanted feedback. I wanted to feedback just to you know take a look at it. And he's like, "This is good." He goes, "Make me." He asked me to to make him another tape. And as I was making another tape, he walked up to me in the newsroom and tapped me on the shoulder. And he's like, um, "I'm putting you on the air." And he did. And that was that was it. My big break was in Dayton, Ohio. And when you sat in that seat in Dayton, Ohio, the camera went light went on. Did you feel like I was made for this, or did I you felt feel- like? Oh, no, there's still a little bit of fear. There's still a little bit of fear. <clears throat> and that can still creep in. But like, there's a piece that I know where I'm supposed to be. And I do feel like I shine. I would, you know, it, it was comfortable. Mm-hmm. It was, it was natural. But of course, there was, there was fear involved. You know? so, so looking back now in the trajectory of that moment, you know, you were being obedient to a call, a curiosity and the encouragement. Can you look back now? How long ago was it when you left network? Two years ago. Well, I'm still in a sm- very small capacity at ABC. Like I knew it was not, it was going to kill my career, but um, yeah, I'm still in a very small capacity there, but it was September of 2018 okay. when I, when I fully walked, walked away from those two dream jobs. So almost, mm-hmm. uh, almost a full two years. Can you look back now and find the pivot point where you think it went you, your vocational calling kind of pulled yeah. you far away from your faith calling. Can you? Yeah. Well, I think probably at the very beginning, you know, I had good intentions, but I thought that my purpose on this earth was to be the best broadcaster that I could be. Mm. And that's oh, not wow. my purpose because my, my purpose was rooted in doing all right. Because that's what I'm, I was taught to, that's what we're taught to do 
Well, Lisa, we're taught yeah. to lean in, aren't we? Even in Christian mm-hmm. circles. I mean, I had Christians come right up to me like, I can't believe you would walk away. God gave you such a platform. I was like, well, guess what? I don't think God called me to that platform to lose my husband and my come kids on. in the process. Come on. That's right. So um, I think I, mixed messages I was getting from church and the, yeah. certainly the mixed messages that I was getting from society that this was my value and this was yeah. my vocation. And this was the one thing that I could bring to the table that gave me value and separated myself. And so I just became more and more addicted to it, more and more addicted to the high and the achievement and the spotlight. And it wasn't until, um, you know, I stepped away that I realized, wow, uh, the, the one thing that I, that I never thought I'd be, I just became, because I had even maintained that I wasn't defined by my career, that I wasn't defined by what I did. I'm defined by who I am, a wife and a child and a mother, you know, and a You're child saying of God. all the things. Yeah, I'm saying all the things. You were saying things. the words, but your heart was far from it. Oh, I, no, but I thought my heart was there. I thought I, you know, that I said I could walk away at any time and still know who I am. God's like, oh, let's test you on that one. <laughs> let's see. Let's see what happens when the rubber meets the road. And, you know, and there was the anger too. I was like, God, I obeyed you when I got into this, even though I was so scared. And now I'm obeying you uh, at the height of my career. But I was angry at God for a little bit. Like, why yeah. would you lead me to this point? To the, literally the the pinnacle only to tell me, no more. I got something different for you. Yeah. And can so I, I just want to say, thank you for being honest about that. I think people oh, of get course. so afraid to say that they are angry at God or hurt by God. Like, I think there's so oh. many people in the church. That's kind of what we do at Revelation Wellness is help people process pain. It, it's yeah. getting stored in their bodies. Uh-huh. They carry it around. You know, all these autoimmune things, things that break down our health, it's because we carry this confusion or weight of responsibility around when no one asks you to carry it. So what yeah. are you going to do with it? So mm, being angry at so God, good. I love that his lap is big enough to go, it's okay. You, baby girl, mm-hmm. you can be mad. Like we'll, we'll rectify this. You're never yeah. at a dead end with God. Like we're never at a dead end. Mm-hmm. No, so, never. So, so looking back, there's no moment other than the fact that when you got pulled out, when you got pulled out because of sickness or illness or. I, so it? the reason that I left was because, you know, I, A, I was burned out. Um, B, my relationships were a hot disaster. So like these, these things that I was professing that were of value to me, at least that were clashing with the choices that I was making. And I was suffering some health issues, but it wasn't until I experienced that, that season of health where I feel like God allowed this personal crisis to happen, which was that miscarriage and then the concussion and then the head on car crash and then the influenza and then the pneumonia. So like God was like, you are a stubborn person. I mean, yeah. I, and, and it was like one kind of freak thing after another. That's when God said, if you don't slow down, I'm going to force you to slow down. And, and that's was, when I was like, okay, God, I like, I can't take any more of this stuff happening to me. So I'm going to obey you. I, I literally felt like I had been running wow. from, from this, his, his will for my life, that he wanted me to step away, but I didn't want to. And wow. he slowed me down enough where to the point where I said, okay, I'm going to do it. So the day that you marched into that meeting with the mm-hmm. was the executive of ABC, correct? So it's the president of ABC News. It's where the book opens. Yeah, uh, yeah. I tell and, him and, I'm going to step away. And when you sit there, are you like how how long of a process, month wise or week, did it take to get to that 
make the phone call, make the meeting. Okay. No, a couple, it took a couple months. Yeah. And so we have this lunch meeting and I was so nervous. I had my notepad right next to me in case I forgot anything. (laughs) And, and even then, like I had a piece that I was supposed to be doing it, but I still felt this is crazy. A lot of people thought I was crazy. told me that I was crazy. And I even thought it was crazy, but I like, I didn't want to over-spiritualize it and say, you know, to my boss, who's the president of ABC News, hey, I think God's calling me out of this space. Like, I'm not sure he's going to really understand. He's probably just going to think this woman is loony. She is, she's, she's, she's lost it. So I just said, you know, I told him what had happened and I experienced, you know, some, you know, unfortunate things. And I really felt like I was being asked to slow down. My body was slowing me down and I needed to get my life back. I needed to get my priorities back. I needed to get my family back. Mm -hmm. Um, Those things that I had said were true were, were of value to me, but my actions had been, had been saying otherwise. How old were your children at this time? Um, two years ago. So 10, eight and four, cause they're 12, 10 and six. The other 12, you're forcing me to do math right now. 12, Sorry. 10 <laughs> and six minus two, 10 minus two, eight minus two, four. <laughs> Good job. That is, that's a lot. That's a lot. And are they, how has that, how has the stepping away shifted your relationship? Oh my gosh. It's been life changing. It really has. I mean, I won't lie. It's hard sometimes because I know, oh, I could be doing that. I could be sitting in that seat. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that should be mine. It's like an, it's, it still tugs at me. That's just natural. It's like an alcoholic can be sober, but they can still miss the bottle. Right. Yeah. And that like work had become my drug of choice that had become my addiction, but I'm in such a good space. And I feel like I'm, I, God continually is, is, is asking me to do new things, things that have been on my heart and allowing me to branch out. And it's so freeing, honestly, it's, 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 it's just such a, a beautiful time of pressing into fear, stepping out in faith mm. and knowing that God can use me however he wants to, but knowing that my worth is not rooted in work anymore. Yeah. Um, tell, tell us some yeah. of the things that you're doing, some of the new things that you're like, I, you wouldn't have got to do, get to do. Yeah. Behind so, the no, desk. I launched a podcast at ABC, which has been great. Um, talking to people of different faiths about what they believe and why typically newsmakers and influencers and, um, and there are other things on my heart, really, honestly, that are still being fleshed out, you know, outside of broadcasting, because for so long, I said, I can't do anything but broadcasting. I, you know, and how many times have we limited ourselves? And God's like, "Mm -mm, you know, Paula, I can use you as long as just God keeps showing me that, that, visual analogy of the vine and the branch and that Mm -hmm. this is another branch for me and maybe there's a new season god wants me to do something for another for you know this new season's bringing something different but it's all going to play into the talents and gifts that i have of curiosity and asking questions and championing people so yeah there's some spaces that i really want to step into and i'm like okay god it's on you um you want me you you want me to move into this space i'll take a step but you got to meet me there and you've got to bring the right people in my life. That'll, that'll help me along the way. You know, I truly believe though, when God calls you vocationally to do something, he will equip you. Amen. Really well. 100%. -hmm. I think there's the, the, the thing we struggle with is the waiting, maybe the patience for, you know, cause God didn't show up today. I didn't get the phone call today. People go, see, it's not happening. So I better go back 
to the coal mines and do what I do just to play it safe instead of mm -hmm. keeping that dream just waiting, waiting on the yeah. line because he knows the gift. I, I go back to, I love Joshua 1. There's so much to really unpack there. But when God asked Joshua to take down Jericho, he said, you got to circle seven times. I don't know why he had to circle. And so often we feel like we're circling or like, God, this doesn't make any sense. Why am I circling? And especially why am I circling seven times? I know yeah. I'm supposed to do this next thing. Yeah. So let me do it now. Let me take down the city now. Nope, you got to circle a couple more times. So and so many times God's just like refining our heart and, and asking us to be obedient, um, refining us for that next chapter and that next season. And I have felt like so often he's, he's asked me to, to, you know, take these leaps that don't always make sense, but he just wants me to be obedient and test my heart and make sure that I'm ready for whatever is next. And so often that's what he's doing. That's what, that's what he's asking of us. He's asking us to circle. He knows what the next, what the next chapter, what he wants it to look like. He knows he wants you to take down Jericho, but you gotta, you gotta finish circling like he asked. So what are some new things that God has shown you of who you are as the identity of, as a daughter is like in relation to yeah. in these two years? Like what, what's, have you found and discovered any new things about yourself? Yeah. I mean, I, I see myself now, I see myself multidimensionally. I don't mm -hmm. see myself as this broadcaster. I see myself as somebody who's curious yeah. and somebody who loves to ask questions and somebody who's really persistent. And that's what I, and, and I see my purpose outside of what I do. And I think that's so important to write a faith calling or purpose statement for your life that has nothing to do with what you do for a living. Wow. To know who you are outside of what you do. And I'm telling you, it has prepared me for this pandemic mm. because how many of us are really, yes, we're experiencing loss, but we're, we're feeling this, the effects of this misplaced significance whether we placed it on our job, which has been taken away, or our finances, which are suffering right now, or relationships, which we were not able to really invest in those, or we've lost loved ones, or homes being taken away from us, or status, like those things shift. Those things are uprooted. Those things move when there's a crisis. Those things mm -hmm. move, whether it's personal or pandemic. My purpose statement, my faith calling statement doesn't shift. Can you share it with us? Do you know what yes. it is? Please yes, share. absolutely. And it's, you know, like I said, two years ago, if you would have asked me my purpose, I would have said, I'm Paula, I'm an anchor. And, yeah. you know, I'm a big deal. I literally, that's like, <laughs> no, I'm a co-host of The View. And God okay. said, yeah, mm -hmm, let's, let's get to know so the real good. Paula. So, so now good. my purpose statement is, I say, you know, I'm Paula Ferris and I'm a wife and um, I'm a mother. I love Jesus and I'm really curious. I ask a lot of questions and I champion the underdog and I'll get to the bottom of the story. That's my purpose. And it has nothing to do with what I do. Right. It's, it's, this is who I am and the gifts and talents God's given me. So good. And guess what? God's going to use that. Um, like there's a thousand Many branches. Levels. Many a thousand levels. branches that God can use that in. And I feel like God might be um, vocationally calling me to stay home with my kids for a season or two. And yeah. that, um, I, I, I hate that society tells us that we can't off ramp and get back in, that like scare us. Oh, you have, you have to stay in this career because if you go home and you stay home, there's no value. Oh, but what do you do for a living? There's no, no. I mean, there is so much value. It's the hardest vocation 
on your life, the hardest vocational calling that can be asked of you to stay home with your children. And um, yeah, the most honorable too. The most oh like, my gosh. legacy building, legacy. Uh, uh, 100%. Um, so we've been taught that lie that if we offer it, we can't get back in. Or if we offer it, there's no value to it. That's a lie. Um, I'm just not buying any of that anymore. I'm not, my worth isn't my work. It's not anymore. I, it's okay to love what you do, but not be defined by it and not identify and root your purpose in it. And that's really just so freeing. It's freeing. Mm-hmm. Are you still what, uh, friends like with people in the broadcasting network? Oh, yeah. Like, in yeah, that community? Someone... So is, nobody thinks you're crazy and lost your mind? Uh, some people probably did um, think I was crazy. I mean, I was told by one executive I'd be crazy. To, and I think she was just being a good manager because- sure. Yeah. You know, I worked my whole life. She's like, this is crazy. Why would you do this? Um, yeah. uh, but no, I think people, it's really honestly opened up some really great conversations with colleagues about, um, and colleagues that I've realized that have, have been opening up with me and sharing, they feel the same way. Mm. And um, yeah, they're glad that, now. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm kind of validating many of the feelings that that they're experiencing and, yeah. and people outside of the business. I mean, I can't men and women who've reached out to me. It's so incredible to see how God can work through a book and how God can speak to us. And so many different, he can speak to people through this podcast. He can speak to people through books and he can speak to people through scriptures and songs. I mean, I can't tell you how many times God has spoken to me through a song that was played 3 million times on the radio. But that one time on that one day, I felt like God was, was, was talking through that song and it meant something more and something yep. different on that day. And God speaks to you through trusted people in your life that look under that hood and know that it is ugly and see the warts and see the rust um, and can speak life into you. And God speaks to you through that stirring in your spirit. I, I, I go back to that. Do I have a Holy Spirit peace about it? Yeah. Or do I have a Holy Spirit angst about it? Unrest. Um, yes. And, and again, Fear could coexist with the peace. Come on. And yeah. many times it does. That's why I say expect, if you're thinking about a, a, a change in your life, whether big or small, expect and anticipate the fear. Remember yeah. those fear yeah. and peace can coexist, but fear is from the devil. And God has yeah. commanded us to, to press into that fear. Like he asks us to in Joshua one, have I not commanded you to be strong and be courageous? And God's going to be there with you the entire so time. Good. You've got to take that first step. Yeah. We have a saying, Revelation 1, that fear is not the absence of opposition, tension, mm. or an enemy, mm-hmm. but the presence of a reconciler. Like Jesus yeah. reconciles. He goes, I take that fear. I'll see your fear. Raise it. Exchange it for yes. something yes. so much greater. It's, it's fuel. Absolutely. It, it really is. And it's something that, that we, we should expect to wrestle with. It's not something that we'll just be healed of and, right. con- and conquer. Yes. Um, I mean, God mentions uh, fear in the Bible. I don't know how many hundreds of times. It's supposed to be 365 times, according to some translations, because I know that it's supposed to take one a day, like one a day. That's some, incredible. Something about fear. Yeah. Yep. So, no hey, just way. a reminder. God's like, just remember, today I mean, you're probably going to have some fear. Don't worry about cool it. How is that, though? Yeah. Every single yeah. day, except for that one day in late leap year, God's like, I can't yeah. help you today. I'm not I'm helping off. you today. You are <laughs> on your own today. If you, haven't, today. if you haven't learned it by now, I don't think one more day is going to do it. Let's <laughs> go, oh, God. Okay. Good. Okay. Uh, can I, I, I'm going to ask you a question, and you, yeah. uh, I, you can tell me if you want this in or out. I want to know, what are your thoughts on media and news mm-hmm. in line of the pandemic 
than what we Oh, no. I think, listen, I think that the media, the, the media kind of thrives on, um, I don't want to say sensationalism because that's not the right word, but, you know, I do think that um, because of the, it was a perfect storm in many regards because the media takes facts and then shares those facts with viewers and listeners so that we can determine our own version of the story and, and determine our interpretation of it, right? Mm-hmm. In the absence of facts, which um, that's basically been the story with coronavirus. We don't have a lot of facts. Mm-hmm. Facts are skewed. We don't have a lot of stats. So when you don't have hardcore facts and data, what happens mm. here? And then mm. fear becomes a domino. And then that turns into panic and paranoia. Mm. And and that's exactly what you're seeing right now. And that mm. just breeds more panic and more hysteria. And so, like I said, I think it was just a perfect storm yeah. with not knowing much about this virus and what yeah. we did know, some of it was erroneous. Um, and now that more facts are coming in, I think you'll start to see the fear start to to dampen a little bit because the data is coming in and we're looking at the numbers instead of just trying to make any sort of assumptions and fill in the blanks Yeah. where, so I, I think it is in many regards, a perfect storm. So I think the media has some responsibility in fueling it. Um, but I think as believers, what an opportunity we have to show, yeah, despite the loss, we've experienced it, but we know that we were never promised a pain-free, painless life. Come and on. we know that that um, we can take heart because God's overcome the world. In this world, you will have problems, yeah. but take heart, I've overcome the world. Yes. We were never promised a cushy, comfortable Come life, but guess on. what? This is not the end game for us. Okay. Let us keep our eye on the prize. It's not the end game. We can take our, we know good that the good guy wins. We know that last move on the chessboard, don't we? Amen. So we can have a different response. Yes, we can feel the loss, um, but, but we know, we know how it ends and we can take heart in that. We can take heart in it and we can be an example to others where there's panic. We can have peace. And when there's fear, we can, we can have faith. Um, and you know, where there's crisis, we can have calm. Yes, mm. we, we can, we can feel it and we can sense it and we can empathize because we're all yeah. in it. We're all experiencing right. it, but this is not our home. This yeah. doesn't define us. This is, you know, we, yeah. we know who we are in Christ and we know that, that, that good overcomes evil. In the and end. I, I think that's why it's so imp- powerful, the message that you're sending. Cause I think more than ever speaking of the call, God is calling to people to drop the identity of who they think they are, what they have to do, succeed, the role they have to play, but to come to themselves with their gifts Mm. and their curiosity, the things that they truly are to be true to themselves and then move out into the world with those kind of gifts. And it could change, like you said, at any point. God changes the direction you go because the world needs now more than ever people that are have fear and do it anyways. Like people yes. that go, I, my faith is bigger. I got fear. My faith is bigger. And then the world uh-huh. sees that and goes, wait, you're not hiding behind a shelter of toilet paper. Like what's that about? <laughs> like you're actually 
you know, you got your fair share. Okay. But you're not hoarding it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, we trust God. And I feel mm. like the one thing when all of the COVID-19 happened that the Lord said to me is, Lisa, I'm healing the people of the fear, the disease of fear, because it's just exposed to us, like everything, right? This just oh, exposes good. what's going on. And we can't heal anything unless there's an exposure of it. You don't know you're sick until there's a, a, a diagnosis. And so mm. this has just been such a cool time that I think out of this, the people of faith have a chance. Like, think about how many people now, like in light of this, some people have lost their jobs. Some people, oh, you know, yes. and, and think, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? But what an opportunity because there yes. are no, you can get back on, on a new highway. You can go a new place. There are no dead ends in God. Yep. Absolutely. God can, God can redeem this situation. And he has given mm -hmm. us a giant reset button, Amen. a chance to reassess. It's up to us whether we want to push past that fear and take those yeah. steps of faith. But yeah. you're right. Um, you know, I, I'm so grateful in hindsight that God allowed this personal crisis for me because I know my significance isn't misplaced mm -hmm. right now. And if it, and I, but I know what that's like. I know what it's like to fall flat on my face and mm -hmm. think I got it all wrong and um, to be angry and to be hurt and to feel lost on such a visceral level. Um, and that's why, like, I hope the book encourages and equips people in this moment to really find true purpose and calling that don't shift and shake that never and never can be uprooted with the pandemic or a crisis. Yeah. For such a time as this, your book came out, Paula. So good. God was Thank so you. kind. Thank before you, you go, before you go, I want to fire off some fun little questions. You ready? Yes. Are you going to make me do push-ups or something? I was crazy? thinking about it. Like, oh, <laughs> this is my first question. First question. Favorite kind of workout? Uh, the workout that doesn't feel like I'm working out. I don't like, yeah, I, I'm Could not you tell workout. us what that is? Yeah. No, I, um, I like hiking or, you know, yeah. just like, just going like kayaking, being outside where I'm not like going to a class per se, but I will say I just right before the pandemic, I like, I felt my abs, my transverse abdominis for like the first time in 25 years, I started doing mega former Pilates. Yeah. And yeah. I That'll mean, do I'm it. A, That'll do it. I felt like, oh my gosh, I can feel my abs burnt, my abs firing up. <laughs> I, and I love that workout because, you know, you look at the machine, you're like, how tough can this be? And that thing kicks your butt. Oh my it kicks gosh. Your butt. So that thing, that, that thing looks like a medieval torture device. I've, it is. <laughs> oh, it's not medieval. It's like 21st century torture device. That's what it is. It's true. <laughs> okay. So we'll give you Pilates. Okay. What now favorite pair of yoga pants or favorite brand or where do you get them from? Um, Athleta or is it? Oh, you're an athletic girl. Yeah. Love Athleta. I do too. I could, um, I could wear that every day. Look, look, this is what I'm wearing today. I have Athleta pants on. Oh, those are the look best. Those are yes, the best. These are great. I mean, but this is my, that's my MO. I don't like to get dressed up. I can wear Athleta every single day. So people assume I work out all the time, but I don't. I just like to wear the clothes. It's so. a whole new lifestyle. You get to, you get a pass. Okay, okay. Ready? Next question. Coffee, tea, or kombucha? Coffee. But I drink decaf coffee because I realize that the caffeine makes my heart palpitate, but I still want it. It's, coffee to me isn't so much about the taste. It's like the psychological moment of holding totally. a cup of coffee. Yeah, I can't, I can't kick it. I'm sorry. I've, I've told my husband, because I'm not a coffee drinker, 
But in mm -hmm. the winter months, I get around all my friends and they have their nice little hot mug and I hold their mug. I'm like, oh, that's so comforting, this warm little thing. Yes. So I've told my husband, I'm, I'm ridiculous, but I go, I think in the future, they're gonna, we're gonna have little orbs that we walk around <laughs> with that just heat up. It's like comforting, this little thing. It's Who knows? very psychological. It's very so much psychological. So. Totally. Mm -hmm. Okay, then finally, if there was one thing you wanted people to know about Jesus, what would it be? Oh, that Jesus is for you and Jesus can redeem any situation. He doesn't care about your past. I have done some God-awful things. I mean, my husband and I almost got divorced. I mean, we've done God-awful things to each other. I, I am so imperfect. I am such an imperfect human being, but um, I, I mean, Jesus has so much grace for us. And I'm so grateful for, for grace and forgiveness and redemption. He can, he can redeem any situation and he has in my life. He really has. Mm -hmm. So good. 